it doesn't really matter. Can I tell you something real quick? Yes. We just got another email. Beat you to it. Nope. I saw. No. I just don't want to say anything. Damn it. <laughs> to interrupt the podcast. Because now we'll have to edit it out. <laughs> or it could be our intro. From Scotland, bit. too. I know. We're worldwide. Avatar <laughs> Worldwide. That's the name of our show now. Okay. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome back to Avatar the Podcast. I'm going to be co-hosting this episode. Me, Booster Greg. You will never guess who I managed to book to be my co-host on this episode. It's Acorn Bandit. Oh my God, we're all it's, shocked. It's such a busy schedule. Like it, we had to line them up, and whew, it was it was it was a close one there. But we got her on. So glad we're able to to arrange this. I mean, thank you for having your agent call my yeah, agent. Oh yeah, you know? it's just you know, was, I had to call my agent's agent, and then she had to call <laughs> Acorn's agent's agent's assistant's agent. It was a whole. It was a whole. It was a whole fiasco. Thing. It was like a week, it a, week long. It was a big, it was a big week long thing. Good thing we only record once a week. <laughs> <laughs> we're dumb. <laughs> All right, before we dive into this episode, which is going to be chapter thirteen the blue spirit or as we like to call it the enemy of my enemy is my frenemy that's right and just as always before we really dive into the meat and potatoes of the episode so to speak or the tofu and potatoes i don't know if tofu goes with <laughs> potatoes i was trying to be all encompassing on that but i don't know if that worked quite as yeah, well as yeah. i thought tofu it would. and potatoes that's like a an indian sure, that's a, staple that's a thing right yeah okay yeah good yeah uh we got a bunch of five-star reviews and and some ang mail and ang so, mail yes 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 so, so we're gonna excited. dive into that and then and then and then after that i just want to talk to you guys and i want to nerd out a little bit about smite oh my god uh, so let's just do the reviews first though yes the first comes from kylisi and it is a five-star review where they write Especially in these trying times, it's great to have a show that legitimately raises my spirits. You can tell just by listening the love that both hosts have for the series, and that energy is so infectious. It's been a blast going on this journey again every week. That makes Aww. my heart so warm. Thank I'm so you. happy so nice. to hear that. Thank you so much, Kylie. Not to be confused with uh Khaleesi? Yeah, not to be confused with Kalisi, but this is Kylie. Kylie C. <laughs> I like I love all of the reviews again and all the feedback that we've been getting. Like this is gonna be very like narcissistic of me to say, I think, but maybe not because it also includes you. I really like when people are just like, I just like you guys. And I'm like, Yeah. Or I appreciate you guys. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Incredibly nice. It is. I have another review, which is literally just what I said, which is oh. from Victor. <laughs> uh Victor writes. Love this podcast. It's a five-star review, which you know because we're reading it. Uh, you both complement each other so well. Very entertaining and makes each episode of the show that much better. I always can't wait for next week's episode. Keep it up. Heart, heart, heart. That's three hearts for those keeping track at home. Three hearts. Five stars, three hearts. Can't lose. You know, it makes me think back to that day, that fateful day when I messaged you and I'm like, hey, yeah. Greg, we don't know each other very well, but... uh." Are you interested in doing an avatar podcast with me? And I was like, uh, absolutely. I, I think, I, I, do I even have that still? I want to, I want to find I that. I want to know quick. what you said. It was something along the lines of like, why do you even have to ask? <laughs> yeah. I, I was probably like my internal monologue was just like, absolutely. Hell yeah. Like, like just in all caps. Okay. 
Oh, do you want do you do you want to find it and do a dramatic rereading? We just rip oh, off yes. Robin PB. Yes, please. Oh my God. Yeah, let's rip off Robin PB. <laughs> let's rip off Robin PB. By the I way, love the their podcast. Of- by the way, if anyone is looking for something else to listen to, the Adventures of PB and Rob on the Geek Generation Network is so good. It's, it's probably so good. good because we know them and we love yep. them. But I just yep. love the kind of off the cuff conversations they have. But anyway, and I'm also on an episode, so you can't escape me on the Geek Generation <laughs> There's Network. There's that too. There's very few shows that I have not invaded. So I'll, I'll preface it while you're looking for it by saying um, that this all really started, if I remember correctly, and, and keep me honest on this one, uh, Acorn tweeted at Rob, I think, or maybe tweeted mm-hmm. in general. That was you, you, you were just like, how about a, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender podcast on the Geek Generation Network? And then Rob was like, yeah, how about that? essentially (laughs) and then i think i just like probably spammed avatar gifts just like as i usually do in in classic uh greg fashion so then you ended up uh dming me yes so what happened was you know rob was just like hey anybody have ideas for other podcasts and i was like and i said i would love to do or hear something about avatar and so he was like okay so when are you going to start one? <laughs> yes. And then, yes. yes, you you spammed avatar gifts. And so I got to thinking. And so I DM'd you one day and said, hey, Greg, so about that avatar podcast idea, eyes, I'm actually in need of a co-host. And the word on the street is you were also once a big time avatar fan. Any interest in going into the podcast business with me? In parentheses. Totally fine if it's not feasible for you right now. So I think I hearted that message immediately. And then, so I, I'll tell you behind the scenes, I rewrote this next message probably about four or five times. Did and you? then I, I just responded with absolutely, but then I couldn't <laughs> help myself. And then I did the gif of Ang with like the big, like, like the sparkly eyes. eyes. Yeah. Sparkly eyes. So I was like, yes, history was made that day. And, and here we go. are. So getting back to what Victor said, it was yes. a complete gamble, but I am also so happy to have such a complimentary co-host to do this with me. I know. I'm glad that you're doing this with me as well, because it's like <laughs> anything that I miss, I know you're going to pick up for yes. sure. And then vice so, versa. Yes. So that that makes everything a lot easier. And then and then I think we also have a piece of Ang mail, don't we? We do. We do. Yes. So we did get a piece of Ang mail from Tommy, who wrote, sorry, I don't have Apple Music, but I'd give your podcast a five star review if I could. This show is by far the most entertaining thing to listen to. Avatar has been a love of mine since I was very little, so picking apart this show has kept a smile on my face every day since I started listening. I can't wait to hear your points of view on Zuko's character arc, Azula's undoing, the Siege of the North, and all of book three. Smile. I know. I, I can't wait for Zuko's arc to be near complete, or at least to the point mm-hmm. where he really starts to grow a lot more. And I also can't wait for Azula because I remember disliking her with the the passion of a thousand flames. Blue flames. Uh, and I'm wondering if that keeps up for me now or if I might have a different perspective. Yes. Or we'll see. Siege of the North, I don't remember, oddly enough. Oh, yes. No, Siege of the North is so good. That's yeah. the thing. Oh, man. I know. Tommy, I am so on the same page with you because we're only in book one. And every single time I've watched book one, it's so good. But it's almost yeah. like the starter set of Avatar. Yes. You yeah. don't really get into the meat and potatoes, to borrow what Greg said early, earlier, until book two and book three. And then it just blows wide open with all of this incredible lore and world building and character development. So, yes, I cannot wait either. 
Um, but yes. thank you so much for writing in. And thank it's totally you. fine that you can't leave a five-star review. You're probably an Android user or something along those lines. But we or appreciate Spotify so listener. much. Or Spotify listener. Yeah. We've seen you. There's a lot of you out there yeah. listening on Spotify. That was very surprising to us. I, me, being an old man, being an Iro in the group, I feel like, <laughs> did not know that so many people used Spotify for podcasts. But I yeah. think it all makes sense as I think about it because it's one app that contains your music and your like audio entertainment experience right to be really wordy about it uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah now that i know that there are podcasts on spotify i found myself kind of transitioning to listening there yeah more than apple podcasts yeah so i think once i catch up on some of the podcasts that i've been behind on i might maybe try to make the transition as well we'll see we'll see what happens yeah but thank you kylisi victor and tommy for writing in thank we you appreciate it so 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 much so much thank you guys all right, so Smite. If you oh were God. paying attention to Smite, I wasn't, but this happened. They were doing the I can't believe it's not E3, which is the, the big video mm. game uh, convention that usually takes place, which is not happening for obvious reasons right now. So I was I had something on. I had one of the the talks on and I went back to go to work because the part I wanted to watch was over. And then all of a sudden I just hear Aang and Zuko. And I was like, did I leave Netflix on? Like, what is going on? And I turn over <laughs> and they had announced. And I think this was like end of June, I want to say. They had announced that they are going to be putting in Avatar, The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra skins into Smite. Mm -hmm. And they never told us when. They just told us that it was going to be in July. Well, as of recording this, it was released two or three days ago. Mm -hmm. And I immediately downloaded Smite and I had spent the first ever $25 on a MOBA <laughs> in my life. And I don't regret it. The uh, For those of you at home who've never heard of Smite, it's kind of like a MOBA, but it's more third person. Mm -hmm. So you're not looking at the isometric view. So like the Diablo view or anything like that, the top down, some might call it. Uh, it's just like you're behind the character and they can jump. You can move around a little bit and stuff like that. It's a little little limiting because there's an aim mechanic, but you can't aim up. You can only really aim side to side and a little down. Oh, that's interesting. So you have Zuko who has Zuko things to say. And there's a Zuko announcer pack, which is really cool. Um, so he pack. literally says things like, oh, that's rough, buddy. And <laughs> <laughs> other things. I know what I'm going to be Googling later. Yes, <laughs> Hopefully it's on YouTube. There's an Ang. I just got the Ang announcer pack. So now Ang announces whenever something happens. And it's oh, really cool. That's really wholesome. sweet. Korra is a play or is a skin for another character. And uh, Naga is with her. Zuko is is not the look that we know him in now, but is like shaggy slash like. Yeah, um, probably uh, no longer three. brainwashed. Yes. Yeah. Like when he shows <laughs> no up, longer and he brainwashed. <laughs> no longer brainwashed Zuko. No longer <laughs> worried about Zuko. my dad's approval. Zuko. Yeah. He has that. He's mostly sword based with some fire bending, okay. which is that's, really cool. That's actually uh, very appropriate for today's episode. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I have not unlocked Aang yet. So if you buy this, I want you to know up front that you do not get Aang right off the bat. You, I got Korra and Zuko. I mm. have to get to battle pass level 50 to get um, Aang. And I'm only at 23 or 24. So I can't tell you how he plays or what he's like, but I'm very excited to do so. I was actually... I couldn't stop playing because after watching this episode, I just wanted to <laughs> unlock the blue skin or the blue skin, the blue spirit mask for yeah. Zuko. And I haven't gotten that skin yet for him. Aww. So I was very bummed, but still, it's so much fun. 
Um, I was never, when it first came out, I was not a big fan of Smite, but I think this was kind of like the push that I needed to start playing it a little bit more. Yeah. Especially since I'm trying to get myself to not play Ghost of Tsushima until I'm streaming again. <laughs> yeah. So this is a good like way to fill my time and not even realize it. You know, I can tell that you like this game because yeah. more often than not, when I go to Discord, I see Booster Greg is playing Smite. Yes, it's a, it's a great it's a great like <laughs> 30 minute to 45 minute sessions that I can just do. And then I can be like, well, what's one more? And then yep. one more turns into six more. And then it's nighttime out. And then I'm like, oh, geez, I got stuff I got to do here. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. Classic. So, OK, with all of that being said, let's just jump right into the episode. Yes, I love this episode. Spirit. I loved. I remember the gist of this episode, but I didn't realize how much fun I was going to have throughout it. Mm-hmm. So for this episode, the director was my favorite, Dave Filoni. Go figure. And it was actually written by uh, Kanetsko and Diamartino. Oh, yes. Okay. I have a fun yeah. fact that supports that that we're going to talk about at the end. The scene opens to an ominous, heavily defended Fire Nation base where we catch our first glimpse of the Yuyan archers. This fortress is called, so like th- we don't know what this fortress is called, but I did my research yeah. and there it's called the Pohai Stronghold. I hope I didn't butcher that. Probably did, but everyone I think is used to me <laughs> butchering things by now. We witness the incredibly deadly accuracy of the archers as they take aim for target practice. A perfect bullseye each time they pull an arrow. It's crazy. It's like that um, Disney Robin Hood where it's like the yeah. bullseye and then the bullseye on top of that and just splits through the arrows. Yep. Uh, one of the things, so I'm going to pull one of my comic book references right now. The overall look and feel of the Yuyan archers for me reminds me a lot of um, like Robin from Batman. Yeah. What, the, is, their it, what face is it about paint, them? Oh, their the face, face paint. paint. Okay. Is very like domino mask ish. Yeah. which is what they wear uh, more specifically red hood. Cause his is red and actually um, speedy or arsenal, depending on what era you're talking about, Roy Harper, but he has a red mask very much like that. And also he is an archer. So maybe it's more like arsenal <laughs> slash red arrow slash speedy. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Now that I think about it, it's kind of like that, um, that like wide su- classic superhero face mask that goes over the eyes shape. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read that really that dark red tattoo that goes across their eyes is really just an identification marker um, that identifies them as a current or former member of the Yuyan uh, archers. Well, I think this whole episode for me, as we'll find out, has very heavy Batman vibes for me personally. I was going to say maybe for you because I didn't get that at all, but I am also yeah. not as big into comics as you are. Fair. That's very fair. Overlooking the practice, Commander Zhao's request to utilize the Yuyan archers in his quest to capture the Avatar is denied by Colonel Shinu. After pleading for the Colonel to reconsider the proposal, Zhao notes that the archers' talents are wasted as quote-unquote security guards. This statement only further agitates the Colonel, who calls Zhao's search for the Avatar a vanity project, and Shinu reminds him that there is a real war going on and really kind of puts his foot down where he's like, no, there's (laughs) a war going on out there. This little project is nothing. It kind of gives me vibes of like someone coming over and being like, hey, that toy you have, I want it. Yeah. Not even a second later, a messenger hawk brings news that Zhao has been promoted to admiral and now outranks Shinu. <laughs> Zhao sees the message immediately and smugly replies that his request 
is now in order. I hate that. Who was giving this man promotions? Well, I think we all know who's giving him promotions. His BFF, the Fire Lord, I would assume. <laughs> uh-huh. Just another freaking promotion. Not one to break rank. Shinu bows in acceptance as he walks away in shame. And this is a fun fact. As he's walking away, he never makes eye contact in that scene with the Zhao. He just oh. walks off. He's, I watched that a bunch of times. He just, he just looks away. His head is almost bowed. Okay. Like he he gets upright, but his head is still down. In, in like shame. a subservient way now that he's been yeah. promoted. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, he was very assertive at the start of the scene. Yep, because they were equals. If not, he was his superior. Right, right. So wow. I think that shows a lot about Shinu. Yeah, and also just the ranks in the Fire Nation Army. Yeah, very true. Military. Yeah. Um, I do have some fun facts about Messenger Hawks. Ooh, We've seen them before. Uh, we saw them now. We're going to see them in the future. But messenger hawks are regularly used to deliver messages throughout the Fire Nation, its colonies, and the Earth Kingdom, and can actually be bought at post offices, which I thought was cool. They're obviously based on uh, homing pigeons in our world, specifically or particularly carrier pigeons, um, because prior to the invention of the telegraph and radio, carrier pigeons were frequently used in battlefields as a means of mobile communication because they can deliver messages to a single location or their home. But in Avatar, unlike those pigeons, messenger hawks appear to have the ability to locate their messages intended destination, even if they've never been there before, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm like, how do they know where they're going? They're they're birds, but apparently they're very intelligent. Well, yeah, they're, they're the preferred messaging system of the Fire Nation. Yes. They're not going to choose any old bird. They're going to choose the smartest most vicious looking. <laughs> they do look pretty vicious. Oh, and <laughs> then were. one last thing, which I made me laugh. Zuko was originally slated to have a messenger hawk as a pet, oh. which was supposed to have a rivalry with Momo. Oh, that would have been so funny. It would have been. cute. <laughs> and also maybe terrifying for Momo. Yeah, yeah. Zhao watches the archer's precision from the tower, pleased with the outcome. As the arrows fly to their targets, we catch our first glimpse of the blue spirit who is watching Zhao on the rooftop directly above, as still as the night. I had a lot of fun writing this one. I got very creative. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I love this one so much. It's I so know. good. The music, though, too. Like when it pans up to the roof and it shows him yep. and his like unnerving grin in the mask. And then whatever that sound effect is, the like trilling sound. Yeah. It's so good. And his dead eyes. It's unnerving. So unnerving. Meanwhile, Team Avatar has set up camp in the ruins of the abandoned city of Taku. I also found it kind of funny that Taku sounds a lot like... Jakku. Jakku, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After the events of the storm, Sokka has become sick and is not able to travel. His fever has gotten so high that he has started to lose his grip with reality, stating that the best thing about Appa is his sense of humor and even laughing uncontrollably <laughs> at Appa's sigh. Ha! <laughs> Classic Appa. Aang notes that he is unable to find any gin- any ginger root for a tea that would help Sokka as Sokka starts to shiver from his sickness. Aang pulls out a map that he found in the ruins and points out that there is an herbalist institute on top of a nearby mountain and hopes to find a cure for Sokka there. Mm-hmm. Katara reminds Aang that Sokka is in no condition to travel and suggests that he might be okay to make the journey tomorrow. As soon as she finishes her thought, Katara comes down with a cough the very same cough that Sokka had before he got into his current state. Sokka has now gotten to the point where he thinks he's an earthbender and even exclaims, take that, you rock, which I want to say is hilarious (laughs) because it not only shows how like sick he is, but I also think it shows how little Sokka actually understands about 
earthbending and bending in general. Yes. Because he thinks that yes. like earthbenders <laughs> dislike the earth. So they're always attacking them. I mean, if you look at like oh Bumi and the way like they're always kicking rocks. So it's like I can see how that would maybe happen. But it's yeah. kind of funny. Non-bender doesn't know how bending works. They can see it happening. But then in, in a delirious state, it's like, yeah, take that rock. You know, how they, they say that when you're like delirious or sick or maybe like you're even drunk or whatever, you say what's really on mm-hmm. your mind or you say how you really feel. That's yeah. what I viewed that as, yeah. which I thought was funny. <laughs> Despite Katara's claim that it's only a cough, Aang instructs Appa and Momo to keep an eye on the sibling. He's about to take off on his glider when a rip of lightning tears through the sky. Aang believes it to be safer to travel on foot. But know, everyone, that Aang's definition of on foot is Hulk jumping off of the mountain. So like large leaps off of the mountain. <laughs> and then once he gets to the ground level, he runs at super speed. So like it's not exactly inconvenient for him. And he's not really losing a yeah. lot of time. <laughs> no, it's like just as fast if he had used his glider. Yeah, he turns into yeah, the flash. I, I even put that note. I was like, yeah, this is just super speed uh, as the flash. I think he's just less fun for him. And that's what he's like kind of bummed about. More fun to bend. Yes. Um, You know, that moment when he leaves the ruins of Taku and there's this like giant statue on the mm-hmm. left hand side. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? It was like really ornate. It had, you know, colored yeah. rocks and stuff. Do you know what that's supposed to be? Of? No, I saw it, but I was like, I, don't I know what looked this is. it up. It is a badger mole, which Ooh. is the first earthbender. Oh, so yeah. we're definitely gonna yeah That's yeah so cool. we're definitely gonna cover them more in book two but i thought that was a really cool nod because it's an earth kingdom port or like center of commerce before the fire nation came and uh destroyed it mm. and so it's cool to see this little remnant of earth kingdom culture and how it's a badger mole kind of protecting the entrance to the city meanwhile we return to prince zuko as he and lieutenant g discuss a possible route to follow the avatar and remember his ship is like super small in comparison it's still large but it's super small so we have like just a standard size ship show up and it just eclipses the windows of his ship. And it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, another note I want to make really quickly is I like that G and Zuko are stra- strategizing together in this episode, mm-hmm. especially after the events of the storm. Yeah. Talk about continuity, right? Yeah. G just found out Zuko's origin and his backstory into why he's so focused on the Avatar. And so now he has more understanding, more empathy, and he's more willing to work with him. Um, and then also another continuity, you know, they referenced the storm, which yeah. they just went through. And that's the reason that Sokka got sick. I also, we talked about lightning and like a little bit of a storm brewing before Aang left. Mm. I have a theory that that's the same storm. Oh, like the outer bands or something? Or maybe it's just dissipated a little bit. And I think yeah. the reason why it could be this is a little bit of symbolism that I'm just reading too much into that I was going to talk about sooner, but I can't help myself. So I'm going to talk about it now. <laughs> it's I think it's the same storm dissipated because in the storm, Aang kind of learned a little bit of a lesson and Zuko didn't necessarily. Zuko is still kind of obsessed with his hunt for the Avatar. Oh. So I think it's the same storm, but it half half strength, essentially. Yeah. So it's still kind of following. It's still kind of getting in the way of some things, but it's just dissipating because as we'll learn after this episode, he definitely kind of learns a different lesson or has a different view on things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How it's the same storm, but where Aang actively learned something from the episode, the storm, Zuko still has it. So now this is his moment. Yes. I like that. So we're going back after a little tangent. The standard size Fire Nation ship shows up. Zuko's like, what do you guys want? To which Uncle Iroh replies, 
Perhaps a sporting game of pie show. I love I love the delivery <laughs> on this line. I love Uncle yes. in this episode. He doesn't get up from that board seemingly, except for the end. Like he, the only time we see him, he's there or sitting down on the ship with the with that horn, yeah. which is great. A Fire Nation soldier informs Zuko's crew that any information regarding the capture of the Avatar is to be reported directly to Admiral Zhao without looking up from his game. Iroh almost mockingly congratulates Zhao on his promotion while making the winning move in Pai Show. Yeah, I love that delivery too. Oh, good for him. <laughs> A promotion. <laughs> So he really earned that one. Good guy. Good going guy. <laughs> Zuko grumbles at this news and tells the soldier that there is nothing to report to Zhao. So get on, get out of my ship. Go on. I want to pass. Get out of my way. The soldier informs Zuko that Zhao is not allowing any ships to pass in or out of this area. Get off my ship, Zuko. I had that Harrison Ford delivery. I can't not say get off my whatever without yeah, sounding like yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford from Air Force One. But Zuko yells at the officer to get off of the ship as Iroh takes the pot and pie show. Now, a quick note, and I even included a screenshot on this so Acorn could see it. Mm -hmm. If you look at the board for pie show, he is using the white lotus tile. I love that. It's it's specifically if you want to go back and see this, uh, listeners, it's specifically when Iroh is saying, I'm certain you will win if we play again. Right there in the foreground on the board is the white lotus tile. Yes. Yes, it's just really, like I, that was one of those ones. Whenever I see Uncle playing Pie Show, I make a point to look at the board because I'm just curious, like, yeah, if he's using that piece, if he wins and he won and he did. So, yeah. Now, here's the question. Yeah. Did he win the game by using the White Lotus tile? I mean, if it's on the board, we see right before he wins the pot, he moves a piece forward. Yep. And in that shot, it looks like it might be in the position that he moved the tile to. Yeah, I, I could assume that, but I can't confirm because if I rem okay. remember correctly, when I was looking at it, it just looks like brown circles. They okay, didn't gotcha, really put yeah. in a lot of detail like in that animation point. But when they have like a big still like this where it's a close up of someone, they put in a lot of extra like uh, background information and, and props. Yeah. So two Fire Nation scouts hide in the trees gossiping about how the power and capabilities of the Avatar is just a bunch of Fire Lord propaganda. There's no way that a being can create tornadoes or run faster than the wind. I like this. I like that not everyone in the Fire Nation is drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. We've kind of seen a little, little bit of, I guess, with the episode in Jet, where we see that not all Fire Nation citizens are evil or bad or corrupt. Mm -hmm. This is just like even people in the ranks don't really fully believe things that are being told to them. So I like that. Yeah. The Skeptical Scout returns to his task and notices a cloud of dust and dirt moving closer and closer. That cloud is Aang and his movement accidentally decimates the outpost. Both scouts are unharmed and take a moment to process what just happened with a few blinks. And then the skeptical scout blows a horn signaling that he has seen the avatar. Don't you mean the flash? The flash. It's literally the flash. He's the flash in this episode. <laughs> He's Barry Allen in this episode. Back at the ruins of Taku, Katara's condition has gotten a lot worse as Sokka asks for water. Katara instructs Momo to take her water bag to the river and fill it with water. We then see the conversations from Momo's perspective, <laughs> which is a little green, slight mm -hmm. fisheye lens. He's pretty much Charlie Brown adult speak, but high pitched. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
He's not getting any of this. He doesn't understand it at all. And Katara goes, got it? And Momo just like stares at her and then flies away with the water bag. Yeah, I love those little notes how obviously it's more green tinged because animals don't see the whole color spectrum like we yeah. do. And then you can hear his heartbeat also, his really fast heartbeat. Well, also the green tinge because he's got big green eyes. Yeah, that too. There's that. So that was really like, yeah, like all these little things are great. They didn't have to include this little bit of comedy in here, but they did. I like how they did the gibberish, too. It's like a murmur, 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 murmur. The only thing <laughs> that so it was good. missing, the only thing would be like Momo being like at the end when she's like, yeah. got it. But no, just flies away. So Aang finally reaches the top of the mountain for the Herbalist Institute and barges right in to find an older woman who is gathering ingredients. He explains that he needs medicine for his friends and how sick they are. They need help. They're doing this. They're coughing. They, I need things now. And the old woman is like, settle down, young man. Your friends are going to be fine. Everything's good. Chill out. Like, relax. <laughs> the old woman calmly and slowly tells Aang that she has been up there for over 40 years and has been alone for quite some time out of those 40 years with her cat, Miyuki. I love Miyuki. Yuki's Yuki. what, a, what a good cat. That's nice. Eng says trying to speed the herbalist up, but it doesn't work as she continues to mention that Earth Kingdom soldiers will visit from time to time and how they always leave in better shape. Thanks to her remedies to kind of expand on that. I was reading basically that synopsis of her, how she's dedicated over 40 years of her life to making these herbal medicines uh, for the wounded Earth Kingdom troops at uh, that institution, which I, I want to say I saw somewhere it's been around for about 100 years, but I'm not 100%. Um, but for a time, she was the only person living in and taking care of that institute yeah. as all of her students had left the area to support the war effort. But then it got me thinking, too, like, I wonder how many actual villages are around because there's the ruins of Taku. There's the um, the Fire Nation stronghold nearby. But then what else is there? I, I don't even know if there are people around. So she might be incredible incredibly secluded yeah that was one of the things where i was kind of thinking about that a little bit too like especially in the earth kingdom i feel like there's a lot of like ruins mm -hmm. and abandoned things and stuff like that whereas what we've seen so far of water villages like water tribes there's not much to them they're just like they're pretty mobile mm -hmm. it seems like they set up shop wherever and i guess that's just if something melts they can go somewhere else really quickly and that's the way they have to live <laughs> And the airbenders yeah. are non-existent now. So essentially, yeah, I mean, we know it's earth versus fire at this point. Yeah, that's actually a really, a really good point that I hadn't put into context yet. So far, we've only seen the Southern Water Tribe village. Mm -hmm. We've seen uh, little villages throughout the Earth Kingdom like Haru's and um, all of those other little ones. But we, we haven't really seen a large settlement yet. And so contextually that's such a cool progression to go from the early episodes where we see these little groups of people to the massive yeah. cities like bossing say and the fire nation yeah. nice little touch yeah so ang sees the herbalist that he's kind of looking for she's like calm down settle down he's like yeah, yeah, yeah hurry up hurry up hurry up this, he's just like ang is so ang is very un ang like which kind of shows you he's not great in a crisis and that's very evident by he's pretty much just tossed out all of the teachings that he's had from his childhood in this one moment he is not living in the moment he's thinking about the future too much he's thinking about the past mm. too much he's just like kind of going a little bit crazy which is interesting mm. and that's mm -hmm. i think that that's very much evident because he's he's fairly patient 
in previous episodes. Yeah. He also doesn't have the calming, uh, logical, methodical presence of Katara and then the funny and strategy oriented input from Sokka too. So this is just Aang by himself. That's actually a really good point because Monk Yatsu is pretty much Katara and Sokka put together in terms of his personality. Oh, yeah, he was. I just, that just dawned on me. Wow. All right. Aang is just like, that's nice. Are you done? He's like, come on, old lady, let's go. The herbalist walks around her greenhouse and talks to herself about sandalwood and banana leaf and ginger root. <laughs> Aang face palms and groans. He's going to be here a while. Back on Zuko's ship, we find the prince fired up. You're welcome. Oh, God. And trying to blow off steam by practicing his firebending techniques. Iroh interrupts his nephew for essentially a wellness check under the guise of mm-hmm. Zuko's lack of orders over the past hour. I don't care. They can do what they want. Zuko tells his uncle. Uh, I think this also kind of shows Zuko's micromanagement abilities mm-hmm. where Iroh's like, you haven't told anyone to do anything in the past uh, less than an hour. You all right there, buddy? Yeah, something's wrong. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> Zuko is losing hope. And we learned just last episode that this is not a good thing because it's all he has left. Mm-hmm. Without it, he will spiral out of control and could potentially become worse than his father. His father has a warped sense of honor, as we understand yeah. it right now, but it's still a sense of honor. If he doesn't have that, what's going to happen? That's Iroh's, right? We talked about that in the storm. It's his biggest fear right now. Mm-hmm. Iroh tells his nephew to not give up hope, as he can still find the Avatar before Zhao. How, uncle? With Zhao's resources, it's just a matter of time before he captures the Avatar. Zuko turns his back to his uncle and faces the ocean. And under his breath says, my honor, my throne, my country, I'm about to lose them all. Oh, this got me. Yeah. It's almost like Zuko's underdog moment, right? Yep. He's like, he was the bad guy. He was the antagonist. But now that we have some more empathy and understanding for him, we now see him as the underdog in his mission because Zhao is the big one. Mm-hmm. He has all the resources. He has all of these troops and, and ships and stuff. And so he's having this moment of reckoning where he's like, wow, can I can I actually do this? Yeah. And like the, the storm is still kind of like brewing a little bit around him, too, when he's facing yeah. the water, which is very um, telling. Mm-hmm. Plum Blossom. That's what the old woman was looking for. And she finally found it and grabs the concoction that the old woman was creating with all of these ingredients that she's putting together, but is greeted with a slap from a wooden spoon. The old woman demands to know what Ang is doing, to which he replies that he needs to take this cure to his friends. The herbalist kind of chuckles and reveals that this isn't a cure. It's cat food. So she's been wasting his time by making cat food. <laughs> For who knows how long. Doesn't sound very appetizing no, for cats either. No. But like, I think she even says something that like Plum Blossom is like Miyuki's favorite. Yeah. What about my friends? Aang exclaims. And the woman kindly, softly and quietly tells the avatar that all his friends need that all his friends need are some frozen wood frogs. And there's plenty of them in the valley swamp. All they need to do is suck on them and they should be back to normal in no time. The herbalist warns that once the frogs thaw out, though, they're useless. So grab a lot of them just in case. I have a note about the wood frogs really quickly. Okay. Yeah. The idea of sucking on frogs for medicinal purposes has origins uh, to real world toads, such as the Colorado River toad, which secrete Mm -hmm. a psychoactive hallucinogenic venom through their skin. 
in the 1970s, rumors were widely uh, spread of hippies and other teenagers sucking on or licking these oh, toads God. to get high. <laughs> but these rumors were never found to be true. That was also a Simpsons episode. I, no, it was Simpsons or Family Guy. It was okay. one of those. They had a very similar episode. I can't remember it which would one. Be. Yeah, it would be. Also, yeah. Dewey, I mean, it was proven to be false. All, but... Although it wasn't proven to be false. It was never proven to be true. There's a difference. Oh, I'm just kidding. Don't, so please it... don't lick okay, toads. Okay. Please. <laughs> it's gross. Don't do it. Uh, the practice would not actually work on humans anyways, because the human digestive system canceled out the venom. Oh, okay. It would have it had to have been inhaled or it couldn't have been like you couldn't lick a toad. Don't lick on toads. Yeah. Moral. That's my moral of the episode. I'm saying it now. Don't look on toads. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ang asks if the old woman is insane. She smiles and says, that's right. As she launches cat food <laughs> at Ang's face and hurries him out of the greenhouse. Outside, the winds have picked up significantly as Ang wipes the food out of his eyes. But his men with arrows shot right at his feet, pinning his boots to the ground. He looks up to see a volley of arrows flying towards him. He quickly creates an air force field and repels the arrows away. Aang picks up an arrow and displays it into the nearby woods and says, uh, I think you dropped this. And this is my note where I was like, OMFG, is this the same storm from the previous episode? Because I love seeing that in all caps. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Light bulb moment. Light bulb, yeah, I was like, holy crap. And so the other thing, too, is now it's showing up for Aang a little bit because he's forgetting some of the lessons that he learned from the storm. So it's kind of like trying to remind mm. him, I think. The Yuyan archers take aim once again, determined to strike true this time. Aang sees this and immediately tries to free himself from his pin state, managing to do so at the very last second before more arrows are launched at him. These these archers are incredible. They're amazing. They did such a good job animating the precision that they are famed to have. Like when it's it's one thing to say like these guys are really great and they're super well trained and they're elite archers. And their precision is renowned across the world. And then to like drop the ball in actually portraying them, which sometimes happens in, in shows. Yeah. But no, they, I 100% believed everything that they told me these archers are supposed yeah. to be. And I, I think the uh, deadliness of the archers, for lack of a better term, is only further yeah. illustrated by the fact they don't talk. Oh, yeah. Again, unnerving. Aang tries to escape, but realizes that he is quickly surrounded. He has no other option than to jump off the mountaintop and hope for the best. Without hesitation, the archers jump off the mountain in pursuit and use grappling arrows to safely land and continue their hunt. I mean, were these guys trained by Batman or something? Because, like, they are ridiculous. Right? Like, this this is where I think the Batman stuff for me really kind of starts to take place. They are midair. They're cool as a cucumber. Use these grappling mm -hmm. arrows to get them to safety. And they are still shooting at Aang as they're falling, too. Yeah. Incredibly proficient. Ridiculous. Oh, also, in this little like segment, we see a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. um, they're not in the stronghold in the dark anymore. We can kind of see what they look like yeah. and their outfits and stuff. And so I did find that their uniforms, um, especially those short jackets and poofy pants, mm -hmm. resemble... I don't know how to say this. Uh, I think it's like Jove... Joffe okay. uniforms. It's a French group, uh, but uniforms from the American Civil War, which were in 
in turn inspired by 19th century French Jove uniforms, which were also very widely imitated by forces of other nations in the 19th century. And continues to dodge arrows as he falls into a nearby swamp and realizes, hey, this is where the frozen wood frogs live. He stuffs his shirt with frozen wood frogs while continuing to dodge arrows. Suddenly, Aang's left arm is pinned to a nearby log by the archers. In an attempt to shield himself, Aang turns the swamp water into ice, but the arrows eventually break through as his right arm becomes pinned. I really like how they broke the ice too because they did that same uh, bullseye shot thing. So the first arrow uh, made a dent. The second arrow goes through the first arrow and continues and continues until the shield's broken. I also feel like it's probably more skillful to turn swamp water into ice. I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's also like there's lots of minerals and yeah. um, silt and muck and stuff. Yeah. It's not just water. It's a little bit of earth, too, yeah. I would argue. Yeah, I would say that, too. That's fair. Aang wakes up to find himself chained up in the middle of the Yuyan Archers and Fire Nation Fortress. Zhao walks in on Aang, trying to free himself by pulling on his chains. Zhao accuses Aang of hiding from him. And does this whole like bad guy gloat speech. I'm not going to say what it was because it was literally just like, I'm Java. And like, it was not super important. <laughs> uh, he's like, I've been looking for you. You've been hiding from me. Aang exclaims that he's never hiding from Zhao and to untie him right now so they can fight. This is where Zhao gets smart because I feel like a typical supervillain would be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll beat you anyways. And Zhao just like smugly looks at him and goes, no, I think I'm fine. I think you can just stay right there. Thank you. Uh, he then also kind of like leans into maybe Aang's guilt of being the only airbender left. He's he's terrible. Zhao is not a nice person. No, he's not. Not even a little bit. He, like, he taunted Aang about missing his people. He's like, don't you miss your people? Yeah. They're all gone and you're all alone. Yeah. It's like terrible. You're, you're a horrible human being. You you should just like go and like, I don't know, make out with Ozai or something like that. Because you two are meant for each other. You're both terrible in terms of me a match made in a hell. match made in hell exactly <laughs> he he then assures ang uh that he won't be killed because killing ang will only restart the search for the avatar because he'll be reborn in a new part of the world and they won't know who he is mm-hmm. he says like the he says like one of those like typical villain like you'll only wish you were dead kind of deals yeah yeah ang tries to intimidate zhao by using his breath to airbend and it slams him, slams Zhao against the wall, which only irritates the Fire Nation Admiral. And he tells Aang that there's no escaping now and no one's coming to rescue him. Yeah. Except someone is coming to... Re- We're not there yet. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Famous last words. Meanwhile, back at Camp Avatar, Momo drops a dead mouse on Katara instead of water <laughs> that was asked for. Katara looks off into the distance and wonders what could be taking Aang so long. <laughs> Momo, God. I love that this was a constant comedic theme throughout the whole episode. Yes. It's like a process of elimination for Momo. Eventually, he's yeah. going to get it yeah. right. <laughs> okay, back to the fortress. The blue spirit sits on the outskirts of the fortress, hiding in the shrubbery. It cuts to the bushes, yes. and you can just see his face. Yes above the bush and you have that his like theme music the the trilling sound yeah. and then it zooms in closer and then zooms in closer again i almost got chills it's so, it's so well done it's a very demonic presence and it's mostly the mask yeah i think it's really tapping into some horror genre elements yeah, it could be. to really like boost that like i feel unsettled watching this yes. vibe yes and the, the fun thing so this episode is called the blue spirit 
uh, I am calling this character the Blue Spirit. He is not named as the Blue Spirit in this episode. Yeah, yeah. We don't hear that until later. Right. I feel like this is a good time to talk about the mask yes. because I did find out that his mask is based on the Dragon King character from Chinese New Opera. Um, and apparently during the production, when Brian was trying to figure out what exactly this disguise was going to look like, he went through scores and scores of masks from various Asian cultures and eventually came across the Dragon King. And it was that combination of um, the fangs, the proportions, the menacing playfulness of his smile that really brought the design together. And so they ran with that. Oh, but then as far as the color palette was going to be, he was going to make this the red spirit. But then Anthony Leoy, one of the directors at the time, thought that would be too directly tied to the Fire Nation and the audience would be able to identify him as being from the Fire Nation instead of this like rogue agent. Mm. And so they changed it to be blue. Back to the shrubbery, back to the stealth, back to the sneaking in. Um, he does like these really cool tactics where he attaches himself using his fingers underneath a cart. He has like the boards, yeah. which is a really nice attention to detail on the animation studios part. He's literally holding himself up by his fingertips underneath a cart mm -hmm. that sneaks into the fire base or fire nation base. And when they investigate, so they look in the back of the cargo, they don't see anything and they look underneath the cart and we know that the blue spirit is there, but he's gone because he's stealthily moved back into the cargo area. He, the, the point that I, I think I want to make with this, and this is a lot of foreshadowing after you've watched it, he knows where he's going in this space. He's not looking around. He knows exactly where he wants to go and he knows exactly what his mission is. Yeah, which shows that he did some scouting ahead of time. Yes. He's He's been really taking notes here. Or maybe he's been there a bunch of times. Mm. At the same time, Zhao announces that I love this. Zhao is just like, I am amazing. I've caught the avatar. <laughs> Everyone look at me. It has this like Nazi-esque kind of vibe to him because he's yes. in this tower talking down to all of his minions quote-unquote yeah very reminiscent of nazi rallies yes. also i thought it was very um lord of the ring-esque with saruman oh true yeah. addressing the orakai yeah and then also the first order in the new star wars movies yeah, oh yeah well the, they had that same moment the first order is <laughs> definitely inspired by nazis because like they had that Absolutely. whole color scheme everything going on yeah so it has this big thing right and he's just like Sozin's Comet is coming and it will finally be able to break through the walls of Ba Sing Se and we're a great blah, 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 right? And like everyone is just looking at him, which gives the blue spirit just like he could probably mm -hmm. he'd probably moonwalk to where he's going and no one would see him, <laughs> to be honest with uh -huh. you. Not to like belittle his stealth abilities to know they're amazing, but everyone's just kind of watching him and right underneath the Zhao's nose something big is about to happen. He's saying this about Ba Sing Se, which they have been trying to impregnate forever because Iroh was, you know, spent so many days outside trying to break through the walls too. Yeah. But it's, it's a little disconcerting to take a step back and realize exactly what they're saying because the Fire Nation, or at least the leaders of the Fire Nation, are so hellbent on taking over the world that they he's making this announcement about the next conquest, this big walled city in the Earth Kingdom, right next to the ruins of Taku, yeah. which they also destroyed at the start of so the war. Evil. And it's just like, it's, yeah, it's really, really awful when you think about it. And then they also committed the genocide against the Air Nomad Nation yep. and completely wiped them out. It's like, when you really think about what the Fire Nation is doing here, it is... Evil. They're not great. The people in charge of the Fire Nation are not 
individuals to look up to, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think I'm convinced you cannot tell me otherwise. I believe that Iroh could probably take over busing, say, if you wanted to. I've thought that before. I don't think he, yeah. he doesn't want to. And like he would do it by just walking through the front door. Like he would just be a citizen of the city. It's all he has to do. Like, that's just such <laughs> uh-huh. an Iroh thing. It's like, I think it was calculated again with Iroh being our drunken master in residence. I think it was calculated. Yeah. And especially I want to say the show supports that in how gracefully he took his fall from from grace. You know, like when he was the, the great dragon of the of the West and then everyone is saying like, oh, the once great dragon of the West, the former great general iroh and he's just like yeah okay and continues to try to free himself of the chains when the wood frogs begin to thaw out rendering them useless to help katara and Sokka. the wood frogs then crawl under the doorway from ang cell revealing that Zhao has not placed not one not two but four guards to ensure the avatar stays put smart mm. he's not underestimating mm-hmm. very smart yeah suddenly a fire nation helmet is seemingly thrown from around a bend in the corridor What's interesting is not all of the soldiers in this base have face masks. I just want to point yes, that out. Yes, it's the first time yeah. we're seeing Fire Nation soldiers without their faceplates. Mm-hmm. Uh, this helmet that was thrown around the corner did have a faceplate. That's why I brought it up because I was like, hey, I forgot that they had those. Oh, true. <laughs> I wonder if that was. I wonder if that was more a decision to better identify it as being a Fire Nation oh, 100%. helmet. Yeah. Because I don't think, I, I don't remember, but I don't think I f- saw anyone who had a faceplate in their helmet in this episode. I don't remember either. I also wonder if it's easier to animate that less details. Because yeah. if there was no faceplate on it, you'd have to animate what's inside the helmet potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good for thought. I do wonder what the design decision was here, though, to not use the faceplates. Is it just this stronghold? Is it to more humanize the fire nation after learning a little bit more about zuko in the last episode maybe a little bit of both but i like my first thought was i wonder if they prefer to be faceless when they're out in the world that way it's a more menacing kind of intimidating kind of look Mm. versus when they're in their own stronghold they don't really need it because they're amongst their peers Okay. Yeah, I like that. In 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 the episode Imprisoned, we saw them wearing their faceplates because they're in front of prisoners yes. and it's also an intimidation tactic. Yeah. The only prisoner that they have in this base is Aang. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. And he's not looking at anyone. The only pe- people he's looking at is Zhao, Zhao's scribe, I think, maybe at some point. So the helmet gets thrown around the bend. It has the mask or it has the faceplate. No one else really does. Curious as to what could be going on, one of the guards goes to investigate. As soon as he turns the corner, his screams and directionless fire bending alert <laughs> the remaining guards. And two more cautiously turn the corner to reveal their peer chained up and hanging from his wrists. Alive. I want to know. He's alive. Yes. Un- yes. Unconscious, but he's alive. The blue spirit clings to the ceiling above and makes quick work of the two uh, newer guards or the investigative guards, let's call them. The remaining guard goes to blow the alert horn, but is not fast enough as the blue spirit throws a knife and knocks the horn to the ground. The guard goes to firebend. This is my favorite part. But the blue spirit is armed with a bucket of water, douses the flames, and in the same motion uses the (laughs) empty bucket to knock the guard off of his feet and then out incredible batman yeah 
like freaking Batman. Freaking Batman. The entryway to Ang's cell is now clear. I can't get over that last part. It's just so cool. Like he uses a bucket of water. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Ang gasps as the blue spirit enters his cell and screams as the strange masked intruder rushes towards him with his swords brandished. His screams appear to be unfounded as the intruder effortlessly frees Ang from his shackles. Ang begins to ask his liberator if they're here to rescue him, and the blue spirit opens the door and motions for the airbender to follow him. Even that little yeah. like body language that he did there where he kind of like waved Ang after him was it's like obviously we know it's Zuko at this point because we've all seen the episode and we're about to talk about it mm. um but in that moment everything the blue spirit does is very not zuko yes it's very like almost um well like we were saying earlier like the the whole like demonic kind of presence it's like who is this person what is this person yeah and i remember reading something in the production notes about how the direction that Brian and Mike gave to the animation team is to make the blue spirit incredibly graceful, mm -hmm. uh, threatening, mm -hmm. almost like a tiger. Yeah. And I, I think we can definitely see that here. Yeah. I think one of the big things, too, is Zuko is very loud in everything he does. He's quick yeah. to yell. He's quick to be angered. His uh, fire, like firebending in general is loud, but his, I feel like his flames are just extra large, I feel, for like mm -hmm. no real reason. Iroh is really just try trying to literally and metaphorically quiet his nephew mm -hmm. and we see that in blue spirit i think this is just yeah. a lot of iroh's teachings put into pra practicality i was just thinking that yeah. like all of iroh's teachings condensed and concentrated into this alternate ego yeah. identity so they leave the cell and ang notices that the guards are alive and only bound and gagged as to not alert anyone to the events that have transpired his attention is then immediately brought to the thought out wood frogs as he pleads for them to stop thawing out. Stop thawing out, guys. I need <laughs> you. The blue spirit grabs Ang by the collar and pulls him away. Wait, my friends need to suck on those frogs. I feel so weird saying like suck on frogs. I know. Personally. I know. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the rundown temple, Momo still can't quite get the hang of fetching water as Sokka and Katara are nearly surrounded by piles of junk there's just junk everywhere <laughs> momo flies in and puts a crown like an old junky crown on katara's head as she tries to correct the flying lemur and tells momo that they need water water <laughs> both her and her brother's condition have definitely worsened over the course of this episode as Sokka now asks his sister uh who's this ang kid you keep talking about your highness <laughs> i love that Back at the Fire Nation Fortress, the Blue Spirit and Aang make their way through the stronghold, attempting to get to safety. Zhao is walking down the corridor, leading to the Elvis part, leading to the Avatar cell and demanding that he get glowing testimonials about his big speech from his subordinates. And to make <laughs> him, it's just to make him look better and for Ozai, essentially. He can't even finish his thought because he sees the guards that were supposed to be guarding Aang uh, chained up and struggling to free themselves from the ceiling. Zhao rushes to the now empty cell only to find a single tree frog or wood frog staring at him. Enraged, Zhao takes off down the hall to alert the fortress. Sir, uh, should I hold off sending that speech to the Fire Lord? His cry yells <laughs> down the hall after him. I like that whenever in this episode, 
Zhao is getting ridiculed by Aang or by someone, there is a frog staring at him or near him. Oh, yes. In this episode, episode, yeah. There's twice where he's (laughs) face-to-face with a frog, and it's like his most embarrassing moments. We rejoin Aang and his liberator as they attempt to climb over the fortress wall, but they are too late. The alert has been sounded, and the rope to their freedom has been cut. I was very dramatic with this writing. Okay. Aang (laughs) Aang instructs the Blue Spirit to stay close as they fight their way through the Fire Nation soldiers and set their sights on the slowly closing giant doors of the stronghold. Aang makes it to the doors, but notices that his friend, uh, or his new friend, I should say, is currently surrounded. Aang catches a spear and takes it from his assailant, breaks off the spear tip, and in a gust of speed, you're welcome, takes out the (laughs) soldiers surrounding the blue spirit. Again, another like flash, like in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, basically when you see the flash, it's just like zip, 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 zip. Everyone's gone. Super superhero-y. That's a weird sentence, but it's super superhero-y. Super, super <laughs> in this episode. He then uses airbending to launch the blue spirit over the wall and uses the spear like a helicopter blade and grabs his ally as the two fly away. He is unable to maintain this maneuver, however, as spears and flames are being launched at him uh, and they drop back to the to not the ground, but I think it's like the middle wall. I feel like there's three, mm-hmm. two or three walls to this fortress. Yeah, I do want to say in all of the the action leading up to that moment where they fall out of the sky, Aang and Zuko as the Blue Spirit makes such a good team. I know. It's like it's like heartwarming to watch yeah. knowing who that he is and what's going on here because it's like you guys, you would be so good together, working together. Why are you enemies? Why must you be enemies? It's for Zuko's honor. Yeah, for Zuko's honor. But also, like, another thing is Zuko at one point is taking on like 10 soldiers Yeah, with just his broadswords. Yeah. We have not seen him use his bending. And as a bender, it is very notable to be as proficient as he is with a non-bending form of combat. Yes. And so, like, later we're going to meet his sister, who has been described as a prodigy yeah. with firebending. And so I love that Zuko not only becomes a master in firebending the correct way mm-hmm. as he finds the source, mm-hmm. but also he is very proficient and talented with uh, his broadswords. I like that in my head right now. He's a master hand-to-hand combatant. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he can't be the best at firebending, so, like, he doesn't rely on it almost. Yeah, and I think that kind of follows the the whole scrapper yeah. uh story origin where if you are if you are naturally gifted in something, then you tend to gravitate towards doing that one thing. But he is constantly trying to prove himself in everything that he does, including his firebending, which he really has to work to get better at. And so I think in in the end, he becomes a more well rounded person by going out into these different areas and learning more. I mean, we see this with Iroh too later where Iroh teaches him how he, Iroh, uses different forms from different bending to enhance his own fire bending. Yeah. So I think this is just one of those early signs that Zuko is open to learning other things. Yes. Oh, for sure. Middle wall, they land on it, right? So then they start to use, they get these like, the Fire Nation has these like bamboo ladders, it looks like. They try to like super cool, really cool. Like they try to like go to on the walls or try to climb up to the wall. Aang takes them and uses them almost like stilts to like 
get yeah. to the next wall, <laughs> which is really funny. They're cornered at the front. So like they eventually like fall. They are cornered at the front gate and Shinu orders the men to stand down as the avatar needs to be captured alive. As Zhao approaches, the blue spirit is quick to use Aang as a human shield and puts his dual swords around the avatar's neck. So how quickly that turned around for Aang. And again, I think... Well, also the the blue spirit taking the opportunity going, oh, I know how to get us out of here. Yeah, for sure. See, I didn't take it as a get us out of here. I took it as a get me out of here. Well, yeah, Yeah. that. (laughs) In the moment. In the moment. Before you realize that. The lifeless eyes of the mask meets Zhao's determined gaze as the order is given to open the gate. It was this very standoffish moment. Love it. I loved it. Shinu questions the order, but Zhao barks the order again, and the gate is opened. When Shinu demands to know how Zhao could just let them go, supervillain Admiral Zhao smirks and responds, this situation requires precision. He's such a bad guy. He's (laughs) such a villain. He is. The blue spirit slowly backs towards the forest as they scan the environment for any sign of movement. It's very obvious he's been well trained. Mm -hmm. He's not just like keeping an eye on one spot. He's looking all around. From atop the front gate, one of the Yuyan archers takes his aim as Zhao instructs him to take a shot once it's clear to do so, but to only knock out the thief as he will be delivered to the Fire Lord along with the Avatar. The archer releases a shot and it's a bullseye. The mask is knocked slightly to the side and time begins to crawl as the knocked out blue spirit falls to the ground. The slightly askew mask reveals that the man has a scarred face a now frightened and confused Aang uses his airbending to create a dust cloud around them. He uses the cover to take a moment to unmask his new ally. And this is all super slow again to reveal that he is Prince Zuko, his enemy or frenemy. Frenemy. He is thrown to the ground by this realization, goes to run away, but stops in his tracks. He knows what this means. And so this, this is me reading into this. He, the yeah. look in Aang's face is he knows what it would mean to leave Zuko behind and what would happen to Zuko if Zhao found out yes. the, the identity of the blue spirit. Oh my God, this was so well done. Yes. So he makes this like he looks off in the distance. He sees the Fire Nation troops running at him and he just makes this decision as the dust cloud dissipates. The approaching Fire Nation troops are left scratching their heads. Uh, because there's nothing left. There's no sign of the Avatar. There's no sign of the Blue Spirit. Everyone's gone. Mm-hmm. Zhao clenches his teeth in anger and he lets out a croak. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's another frog that's just standing next to him. <laughs> and then it, that frog just jumps away. Deep in the forest, Zuko wakes up to find Aang sitting nearby. It's like I think it's on like a tree root or something like that. He's a little bit elevated, mm-hmm. safe distance. The Avatar tells a story of his friend Kuzan who he would visit 100 years ago in the Fire Nation. It was before the war even erupted. So probably more than 100 years Mm -hmm. ago. He fondly recounts of how they used to get in so much trouble. And he was one of the best friends that Aang ever had. Aang then turns to Zuko and asks if they could have been friends if they knew each other 100 years ago. Zuko unleashes a huge fireball at the Avatar. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. At Aang. (laughs) But Aang dodges the attack and flies away on a current of air. Zuko watches him from the ground and his expression softens at the thought of what Aang had just proposed or said. What a beautiful I scene. Know. So much nuance. I, I love the give and take too, yes. where 
Aang knows that Zuko woke up Mm -hmm. and he's been thinking about this and he's decided on something that he wants to tell him. And in a moment of vulnerability, he tells Zuko about his friend, his good best friend from the Fire Nation and muses, do you think things could have been different for us? Yeah. And then when Zuko attacks, I almost feel like we can kind of see this later too. Aang doesn't think that Zuko hurt him or believes the same way. But then that last moment where we see Zuko's face soften and thought, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. so good. Based on my research, apparently it was, if not inspired, maybe taken or whatever. Adapted or adapted, something. Adapted, yeah. From Cowboy Bebop, the episode Waltz for Venus. Um, so you have mm. Spike and Rocco, and they're pretty much very similar in terms of relationship to each other as Aang and Zuko. And they literally have this, like, if I had met you earlier in my lifetime, do you think we would have been friends conversation? Yeah. Just to really kind of emphasize this point, there is a forest called the Wulong Forest. In Cowboy Bebop, Wulong is the former currency. <gasps> oh my gosh, so like, I love that. I debated I including that this because it's like, it, it could be kind of like subjective, like, yeah, okay, whatever. But yeah, like, it could be conjecture. Yeah, exactly. But like the name of the forest is Wulong. Like that can't be, that can't be a coincidence. Um, but also we, we previously covered the fact that part of the inspiration behind the cabbage merchant returning so many times is that cowboy bebop occurrence where these old guys are seen on all these different planets. Right. And so it's like a running gag joke. Yeah. So I do think it was intentional yeah. for that reason. Also cowboy bebop is amazing. And um, I'm ashamed to say I've never watched it in its entirety, but like, I love I it so much. I need to, I have, I own it. I have yeah. it available. Oh, I own it. And wow. I've like, wow, Greg, I know, I'm terrible. I'm the worst. Sorry, everyone. I let you down. <laughs> Anyways. I think it's on Hulu too, for those who are, are looking into it. I did actually watch the first two episodes yeah. like last month and I do plan on going back and finishing it because I need to. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, everyone, uh, if you're going to be looking into Cowboy Bebop, I do highly recommend if you can find it, watch the Cowboy Bebop animated movie. That intro scene, we're, oh, we're talking yeah. about this earlier. This, the intro scene to that is one of my favorite intro scenes to movies, period. It's a nice cold open. You'll love it. You don't even need to watch the mm. whole movie. You can just watch that intro scene. It's great. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> uh, Aang makes a quick... So we had this nice, really touching scene, right? Aang takes off. He makes a quick pit stop back at the swamp and picks up some frozen frogs. That's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Fast. I'm going to I'm gonna just go out on a limb here. I'm going to jump to this conclusion real quick, if you, if you will. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Greg. Okay. Uh, last one. I swear. <laughs> oh, no, wait. No, I lied. There's one more. Um, I feel like they were just like, oh, yeah, there's an afterthought. Oh, yeah, just animate him really quickly getting frogs because all of his thought out. And there's no way that there's still a frozen <laughs> yeah. one left after all that action. Anyways, Zuko boards his own ship and is greeted by his uncle, who is, here's the last one, hanging around with the ge- with the gem-encrusted monkey statue from the waterbending scroll episode. Oh, my God. It's great. He is, though. He is. He is. He is. And I love that continuity nod. Yes. I want to say there was also a Sungi horn in the pirate ship too, but I'm not a hundred percent. They bought the Sungi horn probably from the Did pirates they? in the market. In the market, because remember that um, oh. all those guys were walking by with everything, and I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. Oh, oh, that's right. That the last one had a Sungi horn. Yes, yeah. and he said something about for music night on the ship. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, where have you been, Prince Zuko? You missed music night. Lieutenant G <laughs> sang a stirring love song. <laughs> I love that. I love. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. I need to just like 
pour some more love on the fact that there are deeply developed characters who are older mm-hmm. in this episode or sorry, not this episode, but in this series. I love how Iroh is an old man and is just as developed and nuanced and layered in deep as any of the other younger Yes. cast members yes. but then also the relationships between him and the shipmates like lieutenant g i know we only see him a couple times but every time it's like you learn this new little nugget of information around his character i also Ooh. i really like that g was a nameless character when you first met him he was just someone yeah. that zuko was sparring with and he's grown into he has his own name like he's got a backstory and that just really makes yep. you think about everyone else on the ship yeah exactly yeah um i do have a note about the sungi horn yeah so aside from it being so iconically Avatar to me, I hear the Sungi horn and I think Avatar. Um, apparently, it's real life counterparts in terms of the appearance of the Sungi horn uh, are the sousaphone mm-hmm. and the French horn. Huh. The track team who worked on the show uh, created the instrument's unique sound by superimposing characteristics of the trombone to the duduk, D-U-D-U-K. Okay. Uh, a double reed instrument from Armenia. And they did this through a process called uh, convolution. Interesting. So it's not even a real instrument. They created the sound of this instrument to fit the Avatar world, which I thought was really cool. Yes. And isn't it also the Sungi horn that's played um, when we see Blue Spirit? They kind of yes, use like throughout it. I think it was even said that it's always used for introducing the blue spirit yeah. or in relation to the blue spirit, whenever the blue spirit comes up. It's very similar to Boomy and that like carnivaly no- or music. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to that from the King of Amashu episode. So Iroh is like, where have you been? He missed Lieutenant G's stirring love song. Zuko <laughs> is just like, he's defeated. He's tired. He's exhausted. He walks to his chambers and just tells his uncle that he's not to be disturbed. Yeah, such a teenager moment, right? Like your teenage son comes home, yeah. just had this like really eventful night with his friends. And it's like, hi, son, how was your evening? I'm tired. I don't want to talk I'm about it. Bed. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> you're lame. You're not funny. Yes, Iroh, you're hilarious. You're the best. <laughs> Aang returns to Sokka and Katara and delivers the frozen frogs directly into their mouths. Gross. As the yeah. healing properties begin to take effect, Sokka asks if Aang made, made any new friends along the way. No, I don't think I did, the Avatar says under his breath, defeated and exhausted by the events of the day. Uh, oh yeah, and then the frogs thaw out in Katara and Sokka's mouth, and they spit it out, and they're disgusted about having frogs in their mouth, and Momo is having a blast chasing the frogs around. The end. Yeah. Aang obviously thinks that Zuko didn't hear what he said, and so he doesn't think that he made a friend or he made an impact on Zuko. But then really he did. And I love the decision to go from Aang kind of like moping and sad as he said that. No, I don't think I did make a friend. It panned over to Zuko in his quarters on his ship where he's lying on his bed, his cot, and he looks up at the Fire Nation symbol on a wall tapestry, seemingly thinking about what Aang said Mm -hmm. about his best friend, Kuzan, from the Fire Nation. Yeah. And he rolls over and it's just it's so nuanced and lovely the way that they set that up because it shows so much depth of thought in the characters without actually coming out and saying it. So, you know, props to the animators for making such an incredible show with so much like emotion on their faces and body language. I I also really like that he like lands on Appa. It's like it's like a comfort blanket almost. Yeah. He goes on his friend and he's just kind of like this. It's just where he wants to be. He needs it. Also, Appa is such a good boy. He stayed there all day long and let Katara and Sokka lay on him. 
while they were sick. What are you talking he about? He was nice and warm and comforting. He was telling the best jokes ever. It was probably just as fun for him as it was for them. <laughs> yep. He was entertaining them. So a couple of notes that we didn't really talk about throughout the episode. Yeah. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon only ordered 13 episodes of this original series to begin with. Yes. I wanted to talk about yes. that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So why don't you just you, think. Yes. If this if this was Can you close imagine? to it, this is what a chapter is this chapter 13 what was this chapter yeah, yeah. this is chapter 13 yeah so they needed something exciting and like along the lines of a series finale uh, as a result knowing that they had created a rivalry between zuko and zhao they thought that if zhao captured ang no one would be more motivated to rescue him than zuko mm-hmm. so here's the other thing is like zuko isn't quite allies with ang yet he's yep internally motivated because he wants to restore honor to his father that's what he thinks his motivation is but his motivation mm-hmm. is actually probably deeper than that yep. where he knows that it's wrong but he can't like yeah like subconsciously i would say yeah i don't i don't think he can acknowledge acknowledge that moral compass yeah. that keeps like speaking up internally mm-hmm. um yeah, but oh man, when I read that, I was like, okay, so it makes complete sense that Brian and Mike wrote this episode. It was directed by our, our love, mm-hmm. Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. It was such a well done episode that touched on a lot of the elements and themes that we've seen in the show so far. If I put myself in the headspace of what if yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender ended right here with this episode as the final episode, it would have been tragic, but it also would have been a little bittersweet because it's so beautiful yeah. and it can kind of like let you think along your own lines, like what would happen and maybe Aang and Zuko would become friends eventually and, and all of this stuff. It doesn't just like, it leaves you on a cliffhanger, but it's it's almost like a cliffhanger with a lot of food for thought. Yeah. I don't think that if I were left to like theorize about what would happen next, I don't think in a million mm-hmm. years I would have come up with Toph no, no way. And I, I say that being like the best because Toph is amazing and probably one of the best characters. I remember yeah. her being one of the best characters. Like, and I don't want to spoil anything, but like being so proficient at something that something else happens. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. Yep. You know, I didn't actually put it together in that way. My heart kind of splintered a little bit. It fractured a little bit. Just thinking, what if we'd never gotten Toph? Well, no. Well, we did. So we don't have to worry about that. That that's that's some other <laughs> alternate reality that doesn't have Toph that we're not in. Yeah, I I don't want to yeah, know about that know alternate that reality. Let's, let's like not ever go there. <laughs> uh, another note: the production team intended to have Ang when he was captured by the Fire Nation, uh, suspended in air, shackled on all four limbs. Oh wow! But uh, standards and practices did not allow this. But they did manage to do it in Korra and the uh, Enter the Void episode. I think what's interesting. I was thinking about this, not to get too off topic. I think. The shows between Korra, what I remember of Korra, and Avatar is like Avatar is about kids, early teens slash younger kids, and Korra is a lot older. So I think there's a different audience that they're um, trying to pull in. So something like with Avatar right now, we're in a kid's show. It's like funny jokes, Mm -hmm. silly noises, stuff like that. A lot more deeper as we're learning, but that's kind of the basis, probably what the execs bought, essentially. So when they see someone shackled all four, like suspended in the air, that's like horrifying. That's a little too much. Yeah. Versus if you're talking about with teenagers, that's a different story. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of time that passed between Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Between Avatar airing and then Korra airing. I mean, we live in a different world. Korra was, God, not not so many years ago, I feel like. Although time has been slipping away. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. 
I want to say it was 2015, maybe? 2012. Oh, 2012. Oh, just kidding. It was forever ago. Yeah. God, Korra came out eight years ago? Mm Mm-hmm. Where has the time gone, everyone? Out the window, I'll tell you that much. That's quite some time. Yeah, well... But even even in the time between Avatar and Korra, a lot changed in terms of what's acceptable, what's not acceptable anymore. Yeah, exactly. So I think... with those two reasons combined, it makes it makes sense. It also makes sense that Michael DiMartino's second favorite episode is The Blue Spirit mm. because of the mysteriousness of The Blue Spirit and the way that they incorporated action and surprising twist at the end. Yeah, for sure. The last thing that I want to bring up is the use of Zuko's dual broadswords and kind of what yeah. that means. So like in Eastern culture, particularly in China, where the weapons originated from, the dual broadswords are called the most reckless and daring of all weapons. And when you hold one in your hands, you should fear nothing. This is particularly evident mm. when Zuko is shown wielding the broadswords as he is always, as he always stands proud and ready to fight and he never retreats when using them. Yes. Uh, as we saw when he took on like 10 soldiers yeah. at the same he, time, he, he never, was like, I'm cool. He never ran away. Aang always pulled him out. Yes. That was always the thing. Wow. Um, the dual nature of the swords also ref- reflects Zuko's character growth from villain to hero, spoilers, as oh. two sides of the same character. Oh, man. So, so I got to know, Acorn. I think everyone knows what my answer is going to be. But <laughs> what's your MVP? Or who is your MVP? Oh, it's so tough because I think the the episode sets up Zuko as being yep. the MVP. Yep. But then at the same time, we have a lot of unsung heroes in this episode. We do. You know, we got we got Momo, yep. who really tried his hardest to get them water, but you know, he just really didn't do it. We have Appa, who was basically playing nursemaid just to Katara and Sokka. Cracking just jokes all, all day. That's hard to do, man. <laughs> oh, we got the Wood Frogs, you the, know, yeah. who without them, our our lead characters would be very, very sick for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's also um, Zhao for being so full of himself and allowing the avatars to slip through his grasp yet again. Yes, through his own narcissism, yes. right? Yeah, I'm gonna agree. It's Zuko is the blue spirit. Like, yeah, I'm gonna amazing. have to settle on Zuko. It's yeah. like you know, okay. So in the this could have been the last episode of the whole show, and it's called the Blue Spirit, yep. and it's about Zuko, yep. and it's Zuko's half to storm yeah so yeah i mean i think i think for all those reasons it has to be zuko i don't even have a funny like joke one mvp for this one it's just zuko oh. it's 100 um, yeah. did you see how i tried i tried. was like well like the I mean, there's all these other people and <laughs> no it's yeah. it's definitely zuko moral of the episode here's where my comedy kicks back in don't suck on front no actually they, that helped them but seriously, don't don't <laughs> lick or anything. Don't lick any amphibious things, please. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't lick any amphibious things yeah. unless you They're frozen. are no. experiencing a cold yes. in the Avatar world. It's more than a cold, though, I would say. They were delirious. That's a really bad head cold. Maybe. What about you? Moral? Yeah, I'd say my moral is everyone needs a little helping hand sometimes. Oh, I like that. Okay. And that's another long episode for us. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that's going so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. With all of that being said, that is going to unfortunately be the end of this episode for us. Uh, We want to just take again another moment and 
uh, just thank you guys and girls and everyone um for guys gals and non-binary pals. pals that's why i say on stream i didn't want to say it again here because <laughs> i feel like i'm overusing it but no it's true all of our yeah. guys gals and non-binary pals uh for writing to us for rating the podcast for just listening to us for joining mm -hmm. us on this incredible journey as we're revisiting the world of avatar um yes again if you want to email us and tell us how much you're enjoying the episode, your MVP, your moral of the episode, your favorite character, literally anything, you can just tell me about your day. We would love to hear that. Like literally <laughs> yes. anything. Uh, you can email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. We always read those. Still working through. Still working through All it. of the feedback I, we've gotten. Again, <laughs> it's all my fault. Sorry. I want to make sure that we're not just having an episode of just feedback and we can actually do what we're here to do uh watch <laughs> talk about and analyze what's been going on if you yeah and if you don't have access a lot of people have been doing this and i thought that was like really ingenious if you don't have access to apple podcast uh, you can just email us or tweet at us directly yeah. at podcast avatar yep all all super appreciated yes if you're caught up on all the episodes and want to hang out with me a little bit more you can do so over twitch.tv forward slash booster greg i'm live every Monday and Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know that's late for people like in Europe and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I have a couple of viewers that are over there and they're like, it's 3 a.m. And I'm like, thank you. I Aww. feel terrible. Thank you. Uh, I am currently, <laughs> I usually don't tell you what I'm playing currently, but I feel like I'm going to be in this game for a very long time. I am currently playing mm. Ghost of Tsushima and I'm very much in love with it. And I feel it's so open world, so big. I'm probably going to be playing it for a while. So come and hang yeah. out with us in feudal Japan. It's great. Awesome. So much fun. What about you? And uh, yeah, you can find me, Acorn, on Twitter at Acorn Bandit and online at joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S, where I create enamel pins. Yes, you can get an Appa pin still. I think. Appa. Right? You can still get that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Get it. It's so cute. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I just stare at them. I have mine on display and I have one on a beanie. So I'm just, yeah. I have to look at them every once, every once in a while. All right. Next time on Avatar, the podcast. The future misses Avatar. And Skeptical Sokka and the Not-So-Dormant Volcano. All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.